Hi everyone! Thank you for joining us. This is Are these books drunk? We're hungover or what? <laughs> I'm Brandy. I'm Emma. And I'm Mariana. This is your book club with a twist, and we are your happy hour girlfriends. Yeah, yeah. This month we've read a challenging yet heart forward novel, The Midnight Library mm. by the ingenious Matt Haig. I know I say this every month, but I cannot believe that we're wrapping up this book today. I know. <laughs> Where does time go? That's a great question. Hmm, right? <laughs> Last week, we played an extremely fun game. Thanks, B. Yeah. The top 15 lives we didn't see Nora Seats live. Love Ooh, that. Hope you all at home played along, too. We would love to hear what you all came up with. Oh, yeah. We also shared other possible versions of our lives, and we further discussed whether or not we firmly believe that everything happens for a reason. I don't know how we squeeze all this in just one hora de felicidad. <laughs> Actually, Emma, what juices has Ricardo squeezed to come up with his concoction for today? Ooh, okay. Ooh. That, ooh. Give us the juices, ooh, okay. Emma. <laughs> I think my face just got really red. <laughs> Well, today's concoction <laughs> is a yummy classic of one of many variations. Today's cocktail pairing is called Corpse Reviver Number Two. Oh my Whoa. god! Yep. Whoa. There are many different recipes for Corpse Revivers, which I'll let our bartender go into more detail about. But we're doing number two since spoiler alert. Our novel ends with Nora getting her second chance at life and is maybe slash essentially an almost revived corpse? <laughs> Question mark? <laughs> this drink is pretty much all booze, so I know you've got something else to sip on, pregnant lady. I hope so. <laughs> yeah. What mocktail yeah. concoction will you be drinking today? The Alive Elixir. Oh, because sure. I'm so alive right now. Okay, you got you got two lives. <laughs> yes, in you right I now. do. She's actually. super alive. <laughs> yes, and if any of you out there want to join me in drinking that mocktail, please go to our Instagram page at Are These Books Drunk for the full recipe. Yeah, and here to share the recipe for this corpse reviver number two is our number one bartender. Oh, Ricardo. <laughs> Ciao, ladies. Welcome to the bar. Hola. How are you? So good. Great. <laughs> good. Are you ready to be resurrected? Yeah, I think good. so. Good. good. Give us the alcohol. <laughs> Bring us back to life. <laughs> so the cocktail of today is the Corpse Reviver number two. And it was described as the cocktail that you use to revive someone after a huge hangover. And uh, there was a lot of different recipe even back then. So I'm gonna explain you the number two that I think that is the more appropriate for the palate of some someone in 2021. Mm. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. But then I'm gonna give you a little bit of history of the other ones. The, some of Great. them are not doable anymore because some of the ingredients are forgotten in history. Oh, wow. uh, but it's interesting, I guess, to see how broad the concept of creating a cocktail that can help you with an hangover was <laughs> it was special <laughs> I, I I think that I wouldn't recommend any of those for after an hangover but that's my particular I'm not a doctor again I'm not a right. doctor so, you know? <laughs> so for this cocktail we are gonna need uh, uh, a little bit of absinthe and we're gonna use the absinthe to wash the glass so it's oh. like a little bit just to have the smell when you put your nose into the glass mm -hmm. and then all the other parts are three quarter of an ounce each so we're gonna use three quarter of gin three quarter of Lille Blanc or if you don't have Lille Blanc let's go for a dry vermouth mm -hmm. okay. three quarter of an orange liqueur and three quarter of an ounce of lemon juice and okay. you shake and strain up 
into the chilled glass, you can either choose to dump the absinthe that you use to wash the glass or leave the absinthe inside the glass. Oh. I personally prefer to leave it, huh. but because I love absinthe. Uh, yeah, yeah I know Brandy too. does. <laughs> so, so a little bit of history. Okay. Yes, Cor- Corp Survivor. Again, it's from the 1840, 1860, the first uh, example of uh, Corp Survivor. The first one that is being recorded was in the Gentleman Tables Guide. In 1871, and was half of a half of a glass of wine, and half of a glass of maraschino, and two dashes <gasps> of Booker's bitter. So Booker bitter, it's very hard to find, if not impossible. I've never even heard of it. Okay, yes. yeah, me either. Yes, and again, this won't help you after an hangover. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. It might help you get more drunk (laughs) and then you'll pass out and forget you had a hangover, but you'll still wake up with a hangover. And Ricardo, is this um, is is this a cocktail that was here in the states, or was this? Uh, so these uh, these uh, option of the core survivor are in between England and the U.S. Mm. This okay. one was in uh, in England. Mm. The one that okay. you find in England are the one that usually as me- are measured in brandy glasses. And this other one that was Corpse Survivor number one is actually in the Savoy cocktail book for the modern uh, cocktail maker. The modern mixologist is the most important book. Mm. It uh, uh, is the base. Uh, It was a hotel in London that has an American bar. I don't think that there's such a thing anymore as an American bar in in, uh, in Europe now. It was a way to describe a bar where they were serving cocktail in the American style. Mm. So with a lot of whiskeys, mm. uh, oh. bourbon that was imported because it wasn't present there in Europe. So the Savoy was a, ve- a place where they coated all the cocktails that were coming from overseas. Wow. And the Corp Survivor number one was in the in the in the first so the, uh, Savoy cocktail book mm. and it was made with two ounces of cognac and mm. one ounce of uh, brandy apple brandy Ooh. and one part oh. and one ounce of sweet vermouth so it's, it sounds like there's just a shit ton of yeah, alcohol exactly. exactly exactly just bringing you back hangover. to the night before yeah. exactly <laughs> the, there's no the, the, I choose the number two again because I think that is the only one that is drinkable now. Mm. It's delicious. It's, I like it. Yeah, you look uh, like you're really enjoying it. <laughs> <laughs> There's another version if you want to try brandy that is one ounce brandy, one ounce fernet branca, and one ounce creme de menthe. Ooh. Oh, interesting. Again, all spirits. Huh, all spirits. Right. No huh. way that you get. The only one that has one little thing that is not a spirit is the number two, and it's just the quarter of an ounce of lemon, just lemon juice. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this was the core survivor number two. E alla vostra salute, ragazzi. Grazie, Ricardo. Thank you, Ricardo. Thank you for that. Wow. Ciao. Bye. Bye. All right, women. Cheers! Salud! That is mm. a tall drink, Mariana. Mm-hmm. I needed a lot of juices today. It's really hot <laughs> in here. <laughs> but Brandy, you're a fan of the Corpse Survivor? Love it, love it. I love that oh tiny little bit of the, um, the like licorice. Oh, you just get a tiny little hint of it because I just rinsed my glass with it. Mm-hmm. Next time I make it, I will do what Ricardo said and just leave the pernote in the glass mm-hmm. instead of doing the rinse and dumping it. But it's yummy. It's refreshing. And you know what? If I had a hangover uh, before I started drinking it, it would be it would be forgotten. It would be huh? in the past oh. somewhere. <laughs> I think that would knock All me right. off. I know. <laughs> How's your drink, Mariana? I love this. I would have oh. never thought to put orange juice and lemonade together. Oh, me either. I've never done it before. It's kind of like an Arnold Palmer, yeah. but not. Yeah. But not. It looks delicious. Yeah. 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 I might have one after my Corpse Reviver number mm. two. To bring you back alive. To bring you back. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's bring Nora back to life, shall we? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Okay. 
This week, as the library goes dark and she seems to start reaching her breaking point, Nora ventures into the life she might have lived had she gone on that coffee date with Ash all those years ago. In that life, she's a writer and a university professor, happily married with a dog and a daughter, and her brother's alive and well, happily married and still in her life. But as she can't shake the feeling that the decisions that led her to this life derailed the lives of other people she'd known, she starts to fade slowly back into a now-crumbling midnight library. As she scrambles for a way out, she's finally inspired to write, I am alive inside a book, which brings her back to her root life at the moment she's overdosing. She gets help from Mr. Banjuri, who calls for an ambulance, and in the coming days, she makes amends with her brother, gets her job back giving Leo piano lessons, and plays chess with Mrs. Elm, who now resides in a nursing home. The possibilities unfolding before her are limitless. Hmm. So, I Uh have to admit, ladies. Oh, no. (laughs) I was a little bummed by how this book ended. Mm. I totally understand that there's an audience out there that needs this story. I think it just wasn't for me. It was like a little bit too saccharine sweet Mm. and like wrapped up in cotton candy or something. (laughs) So, right off the bat, Mm. I want to know. In a good happy hour, we can each down, I know from experience, a full bottle of wine, oh, yeah. glass by glass. Oh, yeah. So I want to know, how would you rate this book and why? Do you give it one glass, a half bottle, a full bottle, or a full bottle and a shot of tequila Mariana style? Yeah. In short, how drunk is this book? Oh, my God, yes. I love this. Okay, I'm going to go first because I really get like it. this. Get it, get it. I give the Midnight Library a full bottle. Mm. Good job. I think this book is drunk. But not let's keep the party going drunk. Okay. Okay. I enjoyed it for what it was. Mm -hmm. And I loved how much it made me reflect on my life and my current perspective of this life. Yeah. I actually was reminded of what's important and how we ultimately can empower ourselves to live all the lives we want to live while staying rooted, while making choices, but not doubting them. We only learn by living, which... It's one of my favorite quotes of this book. We must be open to the infinite number of possibilities while keeping in mind that we are limited with time. Time is going to be like a reoccurring theme in this episode for me. Uh, Yeah. Life is beautiful and all the small things make up its beauty. No one is our driving force. It ultimately comes down to us and what we think we lack. Perspective is Mm. everything. Our truth is how we see things and now how others see it for us though for me the drawback was the ending of the book Mm. it was too predictable yeah i saw this happening from the beginning Mm -hmm. yeah so not a full bottle of wine and a shot of tequila drunk because if i were a full bottle and tequila drunk i wouldn't know where the night was taking me (laughs) (laughs) i like that i like the way she wrapped that up Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I think this book is just a little drunk, like Emma drunk. I think I would rate this book half a bottle. Okay. Okay. Like where you have one glass and you enjoyed it, but then you're good until your friends are like, I'm getting another one, get another one. And then you're like, okay. And then you drink it and then you kind of regret it at the end. That is Emma drunk. That yeah, is Emma that's drunk. That's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> so that's my rating. And I feel like I've been pretty half the glasses, half the butt. Wait. <laughs> Are you drunk right now? Emma's already drunk. <laughs> I wish. This Girl, lady we just is drunk. started the episode, Emma. <laughs> Pull it back. <laughs> the bottle is half full. Right? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which also means it's half empty. It also means it's half empty. <laughs> yeah. And I still Depends stand on how you like Schrodinger's cat. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I the ending 
Yeah. Yeah. I think I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, I'm with you there. I think I would also give it a half a bottle. Yeah, I think your description of it was perfect. It was pleasant. We had a good dinner. It was a fun time. Mm. But, like, we're going to call it an early night, you know? Like, it, it's not going to be a late night. We're going to go home and take our makeup off, and we're going to go to bed. If you're lucky, you take your makeup off. After well, a half, half a, a bottle, bottle. Half a bottle. Come on now. Well, yeah. we're talking about Emma, Emma drunk. <laughs> <laughs> so I get it, yeah. But so it's okay. like a four-hour happy hour for us instead of an eight-hour happy hour. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. It's like we met up at five. We're headed home at like, you know, nine. Yeah, we're still pleased by it, but it's not. We're happy. Yeah. We're just not going to go till midnight or one. We're not yeah. fully satisfied. Got it. Yeah, we're not fully satisfied. Mm-hmm. But I did, like, it was an enjoyable read. I invested in the characters. But like you, Mariana, like, I just felt like I saw, we all saw this ending. I think, mm-hmm. I, I can't even say I saw this ending coming. I feared uh, that this is where yeah. it was going. And yeah. then it did. I yeah. think I said that on episode one. I think yeah, you did. I think you did. But again, it's like you said, there are people that needed this ending. Exactly. So I think that we're just not those people. That's the thing. It depends where you're coming from. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And how you're currently seeing life. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Or feeling life. Right. So in that sense, I can see where it's a great thing to have in the world. I was already ready to go off at the beginning of where this week's chapter started I was like, tell me that the best life that she chose wasn't because of a guy that she said no to and resulted in a baby. I was like, come on. I was pretty pissed about that. Yeah. Like, that's the only way to have, like, the good life. Like, it had to come back to a guy and a family. Right. But then it kind of made up for it for me in those really depressing for me, again, really depressing moments where she kept repeating to herself, this is a good life. This is a good life. It kind of redeemed itself because she was telling herself that because deep down she still knew that that wasn't true and she wasn't really feeling it. Yeah, she was trying to convince herself. Yeah, but that she knew that that wasn't true. I similarly was pretty pissed when I thought it was heading to the route of her being happy, made happy by a man and a baby. I was like, I was annoyed by that. And and I realized that that's not what the outcome was. Like, I realized that she left that life because there was still something in her that wasn't fulfill, fully fulfilled and satisfied by that. But even where she came out on the other side, I was a little bit, I don't know, I was a little bit disappointed mm-hmm. by it. I kind of saw that life a little differently. And it wasn't necessarily because of the... Because of Ash and her daughter, Molly, correct? Mm-hmm. It was more so that she now started to feel loved and hmm. was finally able to love. I mean, I think they said that, didn't they? Yeah. Nora felt something inside her all at once. A kind of fear as real as the fear she felt on the Arctic Scary. Face to face with the polar bear. A fear of what she was feeling. Mm. Love. Which then made me think of... The point that Jason had brought up to you, Brandy, that he was questioning that little, that life that where she started feeling all these feelings. And right. you were like, was that a yeah. fluke of Matt Haig? Like, right. So to me, this kind of tied it all together that she wasn't at a point in time in that life or in general in her own life to feel these feelings because she had mm. never really experienced love. And when you don't experience love, you don't necessarily know how to distinguish fear and all these other emotions that could potentially be a part of one's life. Hmm. So I think at this point in time in this life, she finally allowed herself to kind of relax and allowed herself to feel. Hmm. She felt safe. She felt safe. And I get it. I, I, I also agree with you guys about the, you know, feeling, having these feelings for a husband and a daughter. Like, it shouldn't be about that. But I think it was also her coming into that realization that she was lacking love this whole yeah. time. Because she didn't have it from her parents. She wasn't feeling it from Joe. Right. She felt very isolated, very alone. And then this life showed her 
that she could feel these things and she didn't need to be in despair anymore. Right. And it was the only life where she didn't have antidepressants, which I thought was super interesting or like self-inflicted scars. Yeah. Right. And I also I'm glad that this came up in that section because I also the question came up for me about her staying in that life, similarly to in all the previous lives that she dropped into, I was like, it's not fair that she's able to drop into a life with a husband and a child, Mm -hmm. but she didn't live any of the moments leading up to it. And the people in your lives think that they know you as a person, but you have no memories with them and you don't even know who you are, what your body looks like. Like that would surely lead to arguments and frustration. Absolutely. So I was glad that that was addressed because that also kind of made me upset. Like what if she did stay in that life? That also... That can't end well if you're not able to have any memories mm-hmm. right. leading up to that. Right. Mm-hmm. It's never going to end well, no matter what life you're in, for your relationships at least. But it did seem like she'll eventually, I assumed, assimilate and like become that person and maybe have no memory of the Midnight Library. Is that what you Yeah. Use? Well, that, okay. that was brought up after I was like, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> right, right, right. I remember you having that question. Yeah. Early yeah. on. Oh, did I? Did I say that? I thought I you did. So. Yeah. Oh. Well, then again, I still, whatever I thought you at the beginning no remains <laughs> true. Which Emma are yes, you? Which one is with us right now? Oh, shit. <laughs> and then the, the notion of deja vu is also brought up because she started like reliving uh, things. She Either if there were memories right. or like seeing things that potentially had happened before. Yep. Which the whole idea of deja vu as Mariana in this life freaks me out. Because yes, I don't weird. know if you oh, ladies you. have experienced that. But I've been experience that, experiencing that a lot recently. Yeah. yeah. Didn't you have like a really weird one with your mom when your when mom was she, recording with us? When she was on our episode. Right. Yeah. And and all the details I remember, like what you two were wearing, the positions that you were on on my screen. That's weird. That's so weird. Exactly how my mom and I looked. That I was just like observing every. It was just craziness. How clear of an image I had that all of that had already happened. Hmm. So I wonder, am I a slider? Ooh. <laughs> I did a little more research into Matt Haig this week. I always like to wait until I'm done with the book to to dive in in case I read something that correlates to the book that we're reading that I'm not supposed to know yet. So I discovered that his first and only nonfiction piece, at least to date, is called Reasons to Stay Alive that was published in 2016 that is about his severe depression, which once I learned that, it made a lot of sense As to where this book is coming from. Mm -hmm. So when he was 24, he suffered from severe depression. And Reasons to Stay Alive is the real story of how he learned to appreciate life in all aspects while dealing with his depression. Wow. And what happened, this is just what I found in my research. I haven't read the book, but he almost jumped off of a cliff and then thought to himself, what if I fell and didn't die? And didn't die. But oh was paralyzed God. and oh was forced God. to live trapped in his body forever, which that made all these light bulbs go off in my brain mm. about Nora's experience. Yeah. And he restates the fact that medication did not help him. And instead, he recurred to exercising, doing yoga, Mm. and it was by that way experimenting with his own body and mind that he found what was the best solution for him. And for him, it was important to take into consideration both of his mind and body together. Hmm. So I think that just gave me a lot of insight as to where this story came from Mm -hmm. and Definitely the author's point of view of antidepressants and yeah. again, I want to say that, you know, maybe that's what this is for Matt, but I am not anti-antidepressants <laughs> by yeah. any means. I think you do what you need to get to get through, to, to get by, but definitely thinking about that mind and body relationship, mm. I've stressed many a times how important that is. Mm-hmm. Did you get 
a sense, Emma, from just the reading that you did, like, is it that he had been on antidepressants and not found them useful or just was anti-antidepressants in the beginning? If I remember correctly, I think he was taking them and didn't like who he was on Mm -hmm. them. Interesting. Yeah. But another thing, actually, that I didn't know was that he was in a relationship at the time with his girlfriend who was with him through this whole process and he states that her support and love was mm. tremendously mm. beneficial and important in his road to recovery. Mm-hmm. So again, like if what we're saying is this all comes back to being loved and how important love is. Mm-hmm. Having a human connection. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That actually just made me think of when I was on antidepressants, I was able to stop them as early as I did. I mean, obviously under medical supervision. Because at that point in time is when I had met Andrew. Wow. And it was with his support and with his love that I I kind of came back to who I was prior to oh, having my eating disorder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he had to do a lot he had a lot of influence in that. Were you a- did you like wean yourself off of them or was it like you went cold turkey? No, it was a gradual weaning uh-huh. myself off. And that's what the doctor my psychiatrist that's what he had recommended at the time because if you go full turkey you don't know (laughs) what is it cold turkey (laughs) or full full turkey turkey. (laughs) if you go full turkey i mean (laughs) gobble gobble yeah Because there's That's a chemical, a yeah, chemical imbalance. The chemical yeah. imbalance. So you have to gradually be able to see how you do with half of a dose right, as opposed to a full sense. dose mm. and then a quarter of a dose, whatever. Mm. But wait. Whoa. Oh. What? Do you know where you are right now? I um, thought I did. I think so. Welcome to Deep Dive, Ooh, where we yeah. make a recommendation for a deeper look into an aspect of the book that we're reading. So this week, I want to recommend the Netflix documentary, Fantastic Fungi, which is a great deep dive for both this book and our episodes on Mexican Gothic by Sylvia Moreno-Garcia. So if you haven't checked out those episodes, please go back and uh, listen to them. Oh, yeah. So this documentary explores the incredibly diverse world of mushrooms and fungi and the many uses that they could have from the environmental to the medical where Mm -hmm. species Mm -hmm. of mushrooms have actually been shown to help patients dealing with cancer, depression, (laughs) and other maladies. And weirdly enough, Mariana, one of the mushrooms that they mentioned that helps deal with cancer is called the turkey tail mushroom. (laughs) Oh my God. There's something (laughs) in that. Um, But in one of the most poignant moments, a researcher commented on the superior effectiveness of mushrooms to pharmaceutical drugs mm-hmm. in dealing with depression and even noted that patients who have gone through their program emerge reporting a heightened sense of spirituality and oneness with the world and a lessened fear of death. Uh, it's a really interesting I documentary. I fungi. I know. And that's what I left thinking. Absolutely. So once again, that was Fantastic Fungi, currently available fungi. to watch on Netflix. Go check it out and let us know what you think. Oh, I will. I do want to check that out. That sounds so great. I want to know. Uh-oh. Ooh. Juicy. I really <laughs> liked the quote, names had power. Mm-hmm. When Nora was trying to learn what her daughter's name was. Right. Mm-hmm. So I was just wondering if we could get like a sneak peek into your daughter's name, Marianne. <laughs> Oh, 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 putting her on the spot. (laughs) Yikes, Emma. No pressure. (laughs) You can say no, but I I would love your, uh, I would love your journey into how you two, you and Andrew, are deciding what to name your child because names do have power. Yeah. Well, if you're willing to, I totally agree that names do have power, and it's a lot of pressure Mm -hmm. to name a human being. A lot of pressure Mm -hmm. because I do feel that way. 
that your name kind of precedes you and your name, you know, kind of gives you or tells others what your personality could potentially be. Yeah. Our process was, like, I'm sure other parents do. They Google all the popular names, the non-popular names, because we're both coming from different cultures. Like, what, Mm. you know, what if we could kind of put both cultures together. Yeah. But then ultimately we wanted something classic, but we also wanted something that, that she could have a cutesy nickname, but that mm-hmm. it would, wouldn't be a cutesy name to begin with, that it would be more of a, a name that she could grow into. And mm. that when she's an Aww. adult, she won't feel like, oh God, this is when my parents, how my parents named me. And I See, don't, that's so I'm not nice fond of, of my name. So were you gonna were you gonna tell us no anymore? Mm-mm. No, we gotta wait. <laughs> we gotta wait, Brandy. Well, uh, the list came out for the most popular names for 2021, and Emma, you were again on the list. Ugh. Yeah, Emma's I, a very popular girl name. I know. When I was growing up, it was not. And then when Rachel oh. named her baby Emma oh. on Friends, the name exploded. It suits you. I didn't pick it, but I'm glad you like it. (laughs) (laughs) I can take no credit for it. (laughs) Irene and Fred, you did a good job. Irene and Fred, you knocked (laughs) it out of the park. (laughs) I actually wanted to ask this back when we were talking about the life that she was living with Ash and her daughter, Mm -hmm. and I forgot. Did either of you sense that Ash was having an affair or was that completely what me reading you... something and turning huh. oatmeal into <laughs> I don't think that's an expression, but you know what I'm saying. Oatmeal turning, into what? Turning oatmeal into a turkey dinner. <laughs> Full turkey dinner. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what gave you that impression? That's so interesting. He came home and and was like, Oh, I'm going out to meet a friend later and it really could have just been him going out to meet a friend but my antennae were like he's having an affair but then it wasn't brought back and it's probably not important i just wanted to know if either of you well, also it's thought interesting that. because if jason came home and said i'm going out to meet a friend i would be like which friend Who? right i know your friend yeah. yeah which one like not in a not in an you know interrogatory way or something is that a word interrogative way not not like i'm questioning interrogative it, but like, yeah, yeah, yeah 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 like but it would just be like oh which one mm-hmm. who well and the only reason i bring it up well a i wanted to know if either of you thought that too or if i'm just being super sensitive but it did make me wonder if he was trying to plant that seed because if she had stayed there and he was mm. having an affair, then maybe that life really wouldn't have been good after all. Right. right. And we we didn't see that unfold. Do you know? I didn't pick up on it, but now that you mention it, the wording of that is weird. Mm-hmm. It's particular. It is particular. It's not the way a couple maybe interacts. No. Not the way I've ever interacted in a couple. Like, I've never had someone come home and say, I'm going to go out and meet a friend, a friend, and me just be like, cool. Yeah, I would have been on that shit right away. Right. Yeah. Like, excuse me? Who? Yeah. Who? Do I know <laughs> this Text them friend? and make sure. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, since we're still talking about the, I just, I, so much of what I wanted to say apparently is related to this life with Ash and Molly. Hmm. So... One of the things that I loved in that section was the game that she played with her daughter. Yes. (laughs) Which really was just a way for her to figure out what was what Mm -hmm. was going on in her Mm -hmm. life, which I thought was really smart. But I loved that it was what is true in this moment. And of course it tied back to the ending, how she was able to escape the Midnight Library was by saying what mm. is true and a place of starting over, which was I am alive because the previous versions didn't work until it was placed as a fact. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. I've heard this in meditation several times that mm-hmm. coming back to what is true in this moment can bring you back to your body in a moment when your mind is wandering or spiraling. So I thought we could create a list of what we know to be true in this moment for us, for us to come back to when we're feeling stuck or anxious or fearful or whatever. 
And yeah, a list that will be changing every moment of every day. But in this moment at 3.22 p.m. on whatever today is, what is true for you? Mariana, I think you got to lead on this one. (sighs) I am breathing. (laughs) Yeah, that's amazing. I am healthy. Mm -hmm. I am a wife. I am a mother. Yeah. I am a daughter. <laughs> I am a friend. Oh my God. I am beautiful inside and out. Yes. I am intelligent. I am driven. I am at peace. It's going to make me cry. I know. Oh. I feel like I'm going to cry. <laughs> like looking at you. Uh, I'm devoted. I'm resilient. I deliver in more ways than one. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I am a perfectionist. I am loved. I am powerful. And Mm. I am a fighter. Whoa! If I could add one more to that list for you, possibly, because when we had our last happy hour, you anointed us, I feel like, as Diaz. So I would also add, you are a sister. Oh, my God. That's going to make me cry. (laughs) Thank you for that. (laughs) Oh, that's a great list. That was a beautiful list. <laughs> great. You get to follow that, Brandy. <laughs> Mine is much shorter. <laughs> I'm wishing I had gone first now. Mine only has four items. Fine. Uh, no matter what it is, it will change. I am a soul inside a human, so don't sweat the human shit. <sighs> this is a Jim Carrey quote. You can fail at what you don't want. So take a chance on what you love, mm. and you'll never regret being kind. Oh, so like those four things are all true for me. Mm. Those are I want oh, those, those tattooed really all over my body. Powerful. Maybe I should to get come back should. to you. I don't, I don't have any tattoos. Maybe they uh, should be mine. Mm. <laughs> those are really good. Yeah. All right, Emma. Let us have it. Funny enough, mine also starts with, I am breathing. (laughs) I am abundantly grateful for so much. Mm. I am exhausted. Mm. I am constantly thinking about my career or food or where I want to (laughs) live. I am so excited for Mariana's baby to be here. I am curious about how we'll navigate the podcast when you're not here with said baby, Mariana. (laughs) Curious and sad. I am frustrated at the lack of empathy from humans. I am looking forward to upcoming projects. I love looking at my newly manicured nails. Yes, always. (laughs) And I love the two of you. Oh, Ladies, this was beautiful. <laughs> Such a great question. I know. And now it's three twenty-six, so maybe something oh. on your list has shifted. Like maybe That's now true. it's I am tipsy. <laughs> maybe, maybe. I am, I am emotional. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm breathing a little deeper. Oh, good. (sighs) Well, since you mentioned time and four minutes just passed. (laughs) (laughs) I'll take a a big sip with you, Emma. (laughs) I'm sure we have all heard these at some point or another. The two most powerful warriors are patience and time. Time is money. Time waits for no one. Better three hours too soon than a minute too late. Mm. Definitely you, Brandy. Mm. Yes, (laughs) sir. Lost time is never found again. Time is the most valuable thing a man can spend. Time is Mm. the wisest counselor of all. Wow. The key is not spending time, but it's investing in it. 
So that being said, (laughs) I have a love-hate relationship with time and find time to be such a difficult notion to deal with. Mm -hmm. Nora finds herself running out of time and fighting with time in these chapters. Because of time, she finds herself having to finally decide that she wants to live. So here's a (laughs) three-parter. Oh, great. Let's just go out with a bang. (laughs) All righty. Let's close out this baby. How do you ladies manage your time? How do you cope with the limitations of time? And how do you enjoy spending your time the most? Oh, my God. I'm sorry. As far. Okay. So as far as how I manage my time. As you can imagine, it's it's sort of strict. I have a very I'm a strict scheduler in my calendar. Mm. But then once it's in my calendar, I'm pretty good about just keeping a mental inventory of like what's coming and what I need to accomplish. It's weird. Once it's in my calendar, I don't really need to refer back to my calendar. It's in my head Mm. and I just kind of Mm -hmm. naturally parse it out throughout the week so that everything is done when I want it to be done. Mm. As far as the limitations of time. If you mean day by, like, on the day-to-day, I've got to be honest, I don't often feel limited by time. Mm. And I hate this answer so much. But (laughs) back when I had a day job, like, back when I was working at a restaurant, that was a very different situation. Back then, I did feel like the, the time limitations imposed on me by that job were frustrating and suffocating. And I was truly a completely different person as a result of those time constraints. Mm -hmm. And now I just, I love what I do every day. I'm happy to wake up every day. I'm in, I, every day I wake up and I'm ready to invest in what I'm doing. And it doesn't feel like a strain. It doesn't feel like effort. Mm. Time never feels short. It just feels like, it feels like just breathing. Mm. Wow. And as far as where I most enjoy spending my time, I most enjoy spending my time in my bed mm. with Doc cuddled up next to me, reading a really good mm. book, like the actual physical book that I can hold. And I could do that like all day. I could do that all weekend. <laughs> I did that last weekend. Oh, like I, I could that. do that all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and where's Jason? He's probably in bed now. <laughs> playing a video game or something. No, in your list. <laughs> I I think you hit it right on right on the money. What's me with my fucked up sayings today? Right on the money, nail on the, nail head. On the head, or right on the money, yeah. or on the both. nose. And there oh, you go. Oh, on the nose as yeah. well. Yeah. yeah. When you're happy and satisfied, then you're not limited in time because you're 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 present, right? You're 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 right. in the moment. You're, you're right. You're not in the past or the future. Mm-hmm. Well, for this beast of a question. Yeah, seriously. (laughs) I am not great at managing my time, I have to say, simply because I pack way too many things into a day Mm. and I get burned the fuck out. Mm. I think with time management, actually, I'm good, which I know is very uh, counterintuitive to what I just said because I'm not good at managing time but like I can multitask Mm -hmm. and I'm good at I'm good at organizing but in terms of how I do it for myself personally it's not great because if there's an hour of free time and someone asks me for something or if I need to do something I'll squeeze it in because I'm like well I have 24 hours in a day (laughs) how can I make the most use of it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And really the only good answer I have to how I manage my time is by keeping to-do lists constantly and putting things Mm. in my calendar and crossing things off as I go. The cross-off is like the biggest part. Like I have to see myself do that. (laughs) Yeah. And like as soon as I put something in a calendar, as soon as that day is over, Mm -hmm. just knowing – just like feels like it's behind me, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. The limitations of time is a big one for me because I'm not Brandy Bravo (laughs) because I used to be of the mindset, I'll sleep when I'm dead. Now I adore (laughs) and require sleep way too much for that to be true anymore. 
But I do still get frustrated thinking about all things that I could be doing if I'm not doing anything. Mm -hmm. Like sitting still or just like letting myself veg out and watch TV Mm -hmm. is so hard for me Mm -hmm. to the point where I don't let myself watch TV until it's 8 p.m. Because it feels like I'm on vacation or like turning Mm -hmm. myself off. Yeah, really. And I... The way that I think about time is I break time down into a few categories, like what you were saying. I think about my time in the course of a day, in a year, and in my lifetime. Hmm. Wow. And I I get major anxiety, if I'm being really honest, when I think about all the things that I want to do in my lifetime and fear that I won't get to do all – that I won't get to all of it before I die. Yeah. And it makes me think of one of my favorite people, Larry Moss, mm, who I know we you love also. Larry. Yes. <laughs> Something he said uh, a year ago that really stuck with me is that he's really sad knowing that he won't be able to read every book that he wants to read before he dies. Mm. And knowing <sighs> that he'll die before science has before we learn more about the human brain because he's like we're just now (sighs) touching on the complexities of the brain and he's he wants to be here for when they discover more and just Mm. knows he won't be Mm. and that really struck a chord with me so I feel similarly to that in that regard that's all I'm gonna say about that because I think I'll talk for way too long if I if I keep going (laughs) I think that's just kind of painting a picture for where I'm at so I'll, I'll answer the third part of your question, which is how I enjoy spending my time working on my craft, obviously just my craft, mm-hmm. doing yoga, going to the beach. That's mm-hmm. a really big one for me. Mm-hmm. It doesn't even matter what I'm doing. As long as I'm at the beach, I'm good. Oh. Reading, mm-hmm. dining out, mm-hmm. slash oh, yeah. enjoying good food. Yes. Mm. Traveling, mm-hmm. another big one. Just yeah. walking around the city. Mm-hmm. Mm. Intimate gatherings with friends. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Specifically I intimate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Quality time with Ricardo, mm. but really like whatever it is with Ricardo. Mm. Attending live music and theater. Mm. Spending time with my family. And anything in nature. Mm. I love that list. I agree with all it's of that. It's a good list. It's a lot. <laughs> it sounds like a full life. It does sound like full life and full turkey. Keeps me busy. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, the turkey. Yeah. What's your answer to the year question, Because <laughs> I think more and more during the pandemic, I've become more fearful of time passing in that regard and things ending. Because hmm. things have ended around us. <laughs> Like right in front of us, you know, during mm. the past year and a half, it's just been right. one end after another, not knowing when and things you have will a come baby back. Now to think about, yeah, and the notion of the idea of getting older and generations before us leaving us, like I mm. wish that time could stand still. Yeah. At times, we would never, but then we would never evolve as human beings if if time stood still. True. What would surprise both of you though is that. For many, many years, I was a procrastinator. So that does surprise me. I would me. kind of, I would allow in just enough time for the things that I needed to do, but I, I would wait until the last minute to start on those things with that limited amount of, amount of time because <sighs> I wanted to spend most of my time doing things that I really wanted to do for me and enjoy them. And yeah. then kind of, I don't know where I flipped the switch where I was like, well, I need to do everything to the extreme. And then I always um. felt that I was so limited in my time because I was giving everything my all. So then I wasn't really in enjoyment of what I was doing with the time that was allotted. Uh-huh. Wow. Yeah. What else? How do you enjoy spending your time? I suspect that's about to change a little bit. But. Yeah, well, because my priorities are changing now. Yeah. But I I think, and this is not going to be very specific, but I enjoy spending my time where I can bring it back to the love. I don't know. I'm feeling a lot of love right now. When I feel loved and when I and when I'm loving myself, that's how I enjoy hmm. spending time. Like when I feel that hmm. that there's love, genuine love in the interactions that I'm having or that I feel that I'm really loving the person that I've become. That's when whatever hmm. I'm doing 
is the most meaningful. And that's when I'm most present. That sounds super healthy. And I wonder if your answer would have been different in November of last year. I think it would have been completely different. Yeah. I would have had more of a specific list of the things that I enjoy doing. Uh But it would have been... Material things like mine. No, no, no. It would have been like the correct things to say. And I wouldn't have allowed myself to say mm. the things that I really do enjoy because I would have Interesting. questioned how other people would have perceived me or seen me at the yeah, time. Yeah, I feel that. Mm. There's an ownership that you've taken mm-hmm. just over mm-hmm. how you feel about Which stuff. Which is so beautiful. And I think it's just going to keep getting stronger and stronger. And I'm very excited so. to see Agreed. that I think so. Well, I'll take it back to something that we haven't talked about yet, but has been a theme running through the book because this was a cool real life experience I had that made me think of this book. And I always love when those things happen. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I recently went on an artist date. Shout out <gasps> the artist way. Yeah. You did. Yeah, because I had to. So I did it, but it was great. Like, I, oh I really God. enjoyed it. And we went to the Cloisters. Have either oh, of you been to the Cloisters? A long time ago, but yes. Wow. Yeah. I hadn't been since like 2007, I think, which is ridiculous because I lived on 181st right. for seven years. Right, you were years, right there. And I didn't go any of that time, which is so stupid. So she suggested it, and I was so grateful because then I got to revisit the Cloisters. Mm. And we were, and we really spent our time looking at all the exhibits. I came across a display case that had a book with pictures of a chessboard. Oh. And so I was like, let me investigate that because it made me think of the book immediately. Mm -hmm. And it was the Book of Chess by Jacobus de Cecilis. Wow. Something like that. He's a Dominican friar, (laughs) Italian. And he was the author of the book. And... He hoped that this was the – I'm just going to read you the inscription that was on the the plate. Yeah. Okay? Because I thought this was really cool. So the inscription for this display in this exhibit was, the author of the book hoped that in learning about the game of chess, men would behave more as they should in real life. (laughs) Wow. The board provides the grid for a balanced, just society in which all have assigned roles to play. Hmm. Hmm. And it just made me think about our dear Midnight Library. And it is interesting because, you know, at the time it was written, of course, it would just be for men and not for women. Right. But if you think about that in relation to this, how we do have these, quote unquote, assigned roles. Mm -hmm. Well, it's also interesting because I think that's also sort of why Nora leaves that last, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. perfect life is because... She realizes that if she's not in her actual root life, that kid Leo, who she was tutoring, ends Mm -hmm. up in prison, I think, or in jail Mm -hmm. or something. He ends up being a a convict. And so she sort of realizes that she has kind of an assigned role in his life. Her life is tied to his whether either one of them realized it or not. She has a responsibility to him to tutor him in piano to keep him from turning to this other oh, life. that made me so sad. But also really beautiful that that's what she becomes. She becomes a teacher. She becomes a, right. a piano teacher. At least for the for moment. For the moment. Yeah. Well, since we're talking about music, I got a little curious this week about why whales had kept making an appearance throughout this book. Uh And I found some interesting stuff. So whales are associated with compassion and solitude and knowledge of both life and death. They're also associated with unbridled creativity, which certainly seems to be where Nora is at the end of the book. She's full of possibilities and hope and all of this stuff for her life. The exhalation through the blowhole symbolizes the freeing of one's own creative energies. And of course, they tend to move in pods, groups, there's community. I also found in my reading this week that whales are extremely auditory creatures and they actually vocalize and sing, which gives them a really deep connection point to Nora with her music. And I actually found, you guys, this incredible piece of music called 
and God Created Great Whales by Alan Hovhanes. I think that's how you pronounce his name. And it's performed by the Seattle Symphony Orchestra. (laughs) And it includes real whale sounds Mm. in the music. And it's absolutely breathtaking. I'll include a link to this in the show notes. But I think I heard the whale music start at around the three minute mark. But they're woven in throughout. And at about the seven minute 50 second mark they're at their most haunting and magical they actually sometimes kind of sound like a string instrument like a little bit like a cello Uh or something that is so So cool i highly 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 recommend checking that out and again i'll put a link in the show notes to that but i thought that was really cool i want to listen to that that sounds fucking awesome it's beautiful I'm going to just end with this quote and then I have a little something to share with you ladies. And it was different because she no longer felt she was there simply to serve the dream of other people. She no longer Mm. felt like she had to find soul fulfillment, some imaginary perfect daughter or sister or partner or wife or mother or employee or anything other than a human being orbiting her own purpose and answerable to herself. And I kind of think that's where I'm finding myself now. So before we close out this episode, I wanted to share with our listeners that I will not be joining you ladies for September. As you know, my due date is approaching and baby girl is right on track. She will be entering the world in early September and her dad and I can't wait to meet her. (laughs) I will miss these hours these happy hours, even though I'm not like, (laughs) Um, especially you two ladies so much. This podcast and your love and support has brought so much light into my life and I am forever grateful. Thank you all, all of you out there for tuning in week after week. This is not a goodbye, but a talk to you later. Yes, yes. I am planning on making guest appearances while I take time off. And the way she's kicking now, I am sure baby girl Panaro wants to make her debut on this podcast sooner than we think. (laughs) Absolutely. Love you. Oh, we love you. Cheers. Cheers. And we can't can't wait to meet baby girl. And also, like you said... We're not going anywhere, and you will be here just popping in and out. We would have it no other way. Yeah. But we will miss you for September. Yes. All right. Are we ready for a final question? I think we are. Yeah. All right. In honor of Mariana's mommyhood (laughs) coming just around the corner, I want to know... What is your favorite movie that deals with parenthood? (laughs) Mine? Father of the Bride Part 1 and (gasps) Part (laughs) 2. Wait, Emma, is that yours? No, but what a good answer because Father of the Bride fucking wrecked me. (laughs) The craziest thing is... My parents, Andrew and I, watched the movie down in Florida randomly, oh both movies back to back. We were like, I was like, I really want to watch these movies. And I was pregnant at the time, not knowing. And you didn't know. Oh, God, I love Father of the Bride 2. It's like, eh, but Father of the Bride 1, I like mean, the OG. Yeah. Oh, what a good answer. <laughs> What's your answer, Emma? Uh, Home Alone. Where the fuck is my son? Oh, my God. I'm a terrible parent. I miss him. I hope he's okay. I love you so much. And then they do it again. Oh, God. And again. I yeah, think, so home alone part like one, two, three. <laughs> Mariana, you fucking weirdo. Why? Mine is also father of the bride no, part it's one. it's not. Listen, I love Steve Martin. I will watch anything that man does. And it's a fucking good movie. Wait, out of all of the movies, you two picked the same the That same is one movie. Stop yeah, it's it. a delightful movie. It is a delightful movie. movie. All 
right, y'all. Thank you all so much for listening. If you have an insight or a question you'd like us to discuss on an episode, hey, shoot us an email at artistbooksdrunk at gmail.com for a chance to be featured on our listener question segment. Listeners, we have made it to over 500 followers on our Insta page. Hey. Thank you for following us and supporting us. It means so much. We would love it if you could also visit our affiliate links like Shop and Amazon when choosing to read along with us. Please do. Yes, link in bio. (laughs) Next week, we have our very exciting bonus episode with the author of Infinite Country, Patricia Engel. That's right. She is our first author to be interviewed on this pod, and we hope you love our conversation with her as much as we did and announcing our book pick for the month of September The Devil in the White City by Eric Larson for part one airing Thursday September 9th we'll be reading to the end of the chapter entitled The Landscape of Regret or page 99 in the hard copy of the book for all these updates and our cocktail mocktail pairings, check out our Instagram page at Are These Books Drunk so that you can read along and sip along with us. Cause, Cause it's always, always happy, happy hour here. I'm not crying. I am. (laughs) (laughs) Love you. Oh, love Love you, you, ladies. Bye, ladies.